message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. I love baby dedications, don't you? Right now, before we start our message, I'm going to declare pregnancy in this section right here. <laughs> you know, I used to have people, when I do that, they start ducking, <laughs> trying to get out of the way. Good morning. And good morning to all of our campuses, all the people online. Tatchby, you're small, but we love you. And Northwest and Vegas and we've got Thousand Oaks people joining us. We say good morning, good morning, good morning. And uh, it's a wonderful day because God created it. We have 24 hours to live. I got a word right out of the gate. Live one day at a time. Today's the day we're going to live. Don't worry about problems that are going to maybe happen tomorrow. Today, live one day at a time. I got a message for you today. It's called Eternity in Our Mind. I'm going to get started. Let me pray. Father God, use me as a vessel and anoint me in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Do you get it? Time passes so quickly. It seems like just yesterday, if you threw me a football, I could catch it, no matter where it was at. I mean, I could scoop up those ground balls, man, and throw them out at first, and I could drive a golf ball 225, 230 yards, and uh, I dared you to strike me out at the plate, but today I pulled my back, putting my pants on. <laughs> I really did crane my neck. Yesterday, I looked to see if traffic was coming, and I couldn't even work my neck anymore. See, there's a song yesterday by the Beatles. Uh, it was a hit song. It says, yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. Look at Psalms 39, 4, and 5. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on, on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. And remind me how fleeting my life is. I love this poem. It says, as you are now, so once was I. Today a young man greeted me, kissed me on my cheek. When I was young, it might have been my lips that he would seek. Those days are gone and I'm old, but please do not forget, I've had my time amongst the stars and I have no regret. As you are now, so once was I. So don't think I don't know the look that makes you catch your breath, the touch that makes you glow. The hopes and joys of youthful love have long since passed me by, but I can still remember them and I will until I die. I remember the first time I held my wife's hand. I just met her not too long ago. And I wasn't sure if she liked me or not. 
And I, I went to church. She went to a little Pentecostal church on this side of town. And I went and sat by her. And I thought I would gamble. And I reached out and grabbed her hand. And man, she grabbed it. And it was like, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget the first day I saw her in my, my, my advisory class. In those days, I don't know if it's the same today, we were put in advisory classes according to our last name in the alphabet. Mine was Vietti, and hers was Vaughn. And the first day she walked in, I went, <laughs> and the little girl in front of me turned around and said, eat your heart out, Ron. She's already going steady with someone. See the ring around her neck? And I said, we'll see about that. And I'll never forget, she, she wouldn't talk to me. She, she, I went by her desk one day, and I, I stayed. I got there early at school every day to open the door for her. Every day. That was my highlight of my day. And one day, she was sitting there working on shorthand. And I went to her, I said, hi. She goes, hi. I says, uh, what are you doing? Shorthand. Is it hard? No. And I thought, oh, boy, strike one, strike two, strike three. But 10 months later, we were married. But today, it's like a dream gone bad. About 20 years ago, I saw my first wrinkle, and I thought, oh, no, I got a wrinkle. And then I saw another one. Another, today, it's whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, but there's some good news in the story. There's a silver lining. It's very good news. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 in the Message Bible says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. See, today I want to talk to you about living life with eternity in mind. Let's look at five more passages of Scripture, and then I'm going to talk to you, and I'll, I'll try to be as short as I can be. But look at Philippians 1, 21 through 25. It says, for to me, Paul's saying this, living means life for Christ, and dying is even what? It's what? What is dying? Better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Not for my loved ones, but for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I'll remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Look at the next one, Psalms 90.10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass. And then what do we do? We fly away. Remember that old song? I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. And then 1 John 2, 25, this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. He promised eternal life. God promised. He can't break his promise. You and I who are born again are going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Do you get it? <laughs> Genesis 2, 17, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Now, we know they didn't fall over dead the day they ate, but death impregnated their lives at that very moment. Do you see? They had eternal life. Adam and Eve are going to live forever and ever and ever and ever until they sin. Sin caused death, but our sins are forgiven. 
So we're back in, their, in the beginning. We got eternal life. I mean, come on, near-death experiences, they're all out there. Everything shows us there's life outside the body. We know that. The Bible cannot lie. God says, I cannot lie. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I say something rather sobering? See, Adam and Eve, when they took of that, un- that forbidden fruit, they died. And they were going to live 70, 80 years, they are going to die. So today we have to be born again a second time. We have to ask Christ to come and live in our body. It's a very simple thing, but it has great dividends. At some point in life, you've got to be born again. Jesus said it. He said to Nicodemus, he said, unless a man is born twice, born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. But for those of us who are born again, we've, we've had a time in life where we said, God, Come into me. Live inside of me. Holy Spirit, come and live in me and make me a new creature. When we've been born again, we have the promise of eternal life. Those who are here today who have never been born again, you don't have eternal life. It's not yours. It's a gift from God to those who accept him. And we're going to give you an opportunity to accept him at the end of the service today. Now, we must preach the gospel Repent. Our primary objective on earth is to preach the gospel. Go to the Bible. See how God expects us to live. Then pattern our lives after Jesus. Oh, we'll make a lot of mistakes. When we fall down, we brush the dirt off our pant legs and ask God to forgive us and keep on going. Now, Jesus came. I was reading in my, my devotions yesterday, and it just stood out to me again. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek them. He wanted to bring them in. He wanted to find them. Now listen to me closely. I looked up the word lost, and it meant those who are perishing. Now who are perishing? All kinds of people in the world. They believed a lie. They're perishing. We have a big job to do. Say with me, we have a big job to do. We've got to preach the gospel, the hilariously good news. Tell people to repent. These people who are perishing are all around us. Some are Republicans. Some are Democrats. Some are fellow workers. Some are neighbors. Repent. Now listen to me closely. Do not get involved in the cultural wars unless you have to. Unless you have to. The church is not called to get into cultural wars. The church is called to give out the gospel. Now listen to me, unless you have to. When those cultural wars involve our children, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get involved. But adults, they live on this earth and they have a right to do what they want to do with their 75 years. They have a right. Listen to me, don't get involved in cultural wars. Leave that to Target and the L.A. Dodgers. They'll take care of that. (laughs) Leave it to Bud Light. Why can't baseball teams just play baseball and have fireworks? That's it. Why do we have to get involved in cultural wars? Now they're fighting over Christian Day. There should be no Christian Day. There should be no Pride Day. There should be, just play baseball and do fireworks. Now listen to me. Everybody's getting involved in the cultural wars. The church is not called to do that. We're called 
to remain true to the gospel. If you get involved in culture wars, you're going to have enemies. Valley Bible is not a Republican church, and it's not a Democrat church. I welcome Republicans. I welcome Democrats. I welcome transgenders. I welcome the gay. I welcome everybody that's lost and looking for direction. Don't isolate them. When you get involved in cultural wars, you isolate people. Look at Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Listen to me. We need to hate the sin, preach against the sin, but don't talk about the sinners and put them out there. Talk about the sin. Love all people, but stand firm against sin. Stand on your convictions. Turn the volume up. That Jesus Christ came and he died for your sins and he wants to save you. See, I don't want to make everybody a Republican or everybody a Democrat. I just want to get them turned on to God, and then God will show them what they're to do. So, be careful. Jesus came to what? Seek out and save those who are on their way to hell. And you can't do that if you're pushing against them. Yes, stay true to your convictions. Call sin a sin, and be bold and courageous. Now, real briefly, and I'm going to be very briefly... Here are several ways your life will be changed if you live with eternity in mind. Number one, when you live with eternity in mind, it gives us something to look forward to. I can't wait to arrive in heaven. I can see it now. Right now at gate number 219 is Ron Vietti coming from Bakersfield, California. All my loved ones will be gathered around. My mom and dad will be there. My grandma and grandpa will be there. Whoa, I'm looking so forward to it. Apostle Paul actually went to heaven and came back, kind of like our modern-day near-death experience. And you know what's interesting? He said the same thing in the Bible that a lot of people are saying today who who has had near-death experiences. He said the same thing. He said two things. Number one, he said, I'm lost for words. Can't describe it. And number two, he was never afraid to die after that. It's even better to die. I can't wait to go back. I'm telling you today, if any of us got a chance to visit heaven, if we really got that chance and came back, you know what our greatest temptation would be? Suicide. That'd be the thing you'd struggle with the most. Because you'd want to get back there. Gang, we need to stop reading about heaven to our kids as if it was a fairy tale or a fable. Don't do that. Titus 1 and 2 says this. It says... Titus 1 and 2, I hope I gave it to you in the back. I probably didn't. Titus 1 and 2. Never mind. We don't need Titus 1 and 2. It says basically that God's given us a promise. That promise is eternal life. People have to have something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to heaven. For example, this time of the year, a lot of people tell me, I've been on a diet for three months now. Why? Because I'm going to Hawaii and I want to look good in a bikini. Okay, that's cool. Some of the guys even tell me that, and I go, no, don't tell me you're wearing a bikini. (laughs) You're going to scare the daylights out of all the kids on the beach, man. But we we, we have something to look forward to, our vacation. So we don't mind putting out some effort because vacation's coming. Women endure nine months of labor. How many women are pregnant in the house right now? Anybody? 
I don't know why you're clapping because I didn't see any hands. <laughs> but it's something to look forward to. I was going through and looking at videos of my two youngest granddaughters the other day when they were just little. And they were so cute. I used to teach my little granddaughter. I'd go, ha 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 choo. And she was just a little one, just barely walked. She goes, ah choo, ah choo. Aren't they, aren't children great? Children are fantastic. And so we can endure the nine months because of the joy that's set before us. Well, in the same way, I'm telling you, eternity's right around the corner. I can't wait. Number two, it helps us in our battle with sin. Sin is, a, is an illusion of satisfaction. I look at the author of Ecclesiastes the other day, many thinks it's Solomon, but he experimented with a life of pleasure. He got drunk with wine, stayed drunk with wine for a season. He surrounded himself with trophy women to have sex with every day. He, he brought in professional entertainment, built his own parks. He says in the text, all my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. And you know what he discovered? He said, it's all vanity and striving after wind. Have you ever tried to catch the wind? Can't catch it. He said, it's not there. Some of you haven't learned that yet. You still think you're going to find something in the world that's going to make you happy. No, that empty void where the Spirit of God used to dwell in Adam and Eve before they sinned, you're trying to stuff it with things to, to scratch the itch. It's not going to work. Say with me, it's not going to work. Only God can fill that void. I'm a truly satisfied man today because I've let God fill that empty void. It's chasing after the wind. The Bible admits that sin is pleasurable for a season, but heaven's pleasurable for eternity. Number three, it motivates you to obey God's word. I was reading again the other day the parable of the pounds or the parable of the minas. Some people call it minas now. Minas, minas, China, China, you know, I don't know. But the parable of the minas. And this master of the household was going away on a long journey and he called 10 of his slaves in and gave them each 10 minas. He said, do business with this till I come back. And look at Luke 19, 16 through 19. So when he comes back, he calls the servants in. The first appeared saying, Master, your mine has made 10 minas more. Now notice what he says to this guy. Now see, this guy gives 100% and has 100% yield. He said to him, well done, you good slave. Because you've been faithful in very little things, you're to be an authority over 10 cities. The second came saying, your mine master has made five more minas. Now he was given 10 originally too. And notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, well done, sir. He doesn't come, he just says, you'll be over five cities. He didn't get the same commendation. You'll be over five cities. Now, there's two parables in the Bible similar, the parable of the talents and the parable of the minas or the pounds here. And they're a little different. In the parable of the talents, he gives one guy five, one guy two, and one guy one according to their abilities. But here he gives everyone 10. See, one speaks of abilities, and the other one speaks of faithfulness. See, a lot of us have different abilities than others, and God's not going to judge us according to each other. Some people have more abilities to win the loss, more abilities to reproduce, 
uh, souls, and some don't have it. So he holds us just according to, you know, what abilities we have. But in this one here, it's faithfulness. They're all given to him. See, let me, let me tell you something. Life may just happen to us. Many things that happen in our life, we have no say about whatsoever. But when eternal life, it gives you choices. We all have the same opportunities. Every one of us have 24 hours in our day. Every one of us have a job. We have a career, hopefully. Every one of us have neighbors. Every one of us have days off. Every one of us have social media. We all have the same. And so we all have the same potential, right? Social media. My heart breaks as your pastor, shepherd. Yesterday, I, I like to let you know how my weeks went. Yesterday, I got a text. They said, Pastor Ron, my niece, Isla. She was in a crosswalk in Houston, Texas, and a car hit her, 11 years old. She got knocked down. She struggled to her feet, and she was making her way back to the curb, and a second car hit her and killed her. Pastor Ron, can we have the services in Bakersfield? That's her home. I said, you bet. You bet. Yesterday, this is my week. As a shepherd, I sit and weep. I cry. I told my wife this story. She started crying. We cried together. Anthony Griggs Jr., one-year-old, got COVID, now has maybe possibly lung cancer. Pray for him. These are yesterday. Do we care? Do we believe in prayer? Like a few of you might have written those names down. Some of you are going to forget them. Ayala, Anthony Griggs Jr. That little girl's in heaven today. We're going to do her services, but we all have the same. Debbie and I drove by a car wreck last week, and what did we do? Right away, Father God, send an angel right now and, and give them the gospel if they're not saved. Let them know Jesus died for their sins. Father God, I believe people will be in heaven because of those prayers. Live with your eyes open. I have God's stories every week. I make a phone call and somebody goes, whoa, whoa, Pastor Ron. I, I was driving home in Bakersfield here uh, a few days ago, and I was going to go to Albertsons, and Albertsons are way out on Allen Road's closer to my house. But I was driving down Gosford, I thought, what if I should go in this, this Albertsons? No. And I went to the lane, yeah, I should go in this, no. Well, back in this lane, no. Finally, I went, I said, okay, God, who am I supposed to see in this store? So if you were with me in the car, I sat there, and, and you know, I, I, I like to do this because I like you to see how simple my life is. As I sat in the car, I prayed out loud, and I said, Father God, I believe there's someone you want me to see in this store. And so, cause our paths to cross, because I'm in faith right now. And so I go in, and I got my stuff, and I was heading out, and a lady comes by, and she says, Pastor Ron, what are you doing in here? And I said, you know, I got to tell you what happened. I just prayed out in my car that I was supposed to see somebody. She started crying. She was supposed to go to church today. It was Sunday when I was off. I was supposed to go to church today, and God told me to have you pray for me, and I didn't. I wasn't obedient. I was kicking myself all day long, and here you are in the store. I said, we'll embarrass you if I pray for you right here, and I prayed for her. And you just have to live with your eyes open. We all have the same. When you see stuff on social media, Throw out a prayer. Turn up the volume. Church, we need to turn up the volume. We need to turn up the volume. Did you hear that? Turn up the volume. 
When you see someone on social media, pray right there. Send them a verse. Shoot them a verse. Live boldly. Shoot, shoot them a verse. Tell them you're praying for them. We all have the same potential. We all have 24 hours in a day. Number four, and I just got a couple more and I'm out of here. When we live with eternity in view, it helps us endure grief, sickness, and pain. I was reading the story of David again when he was losing his baby son. Remember, he had an immoral relationship with another man's wife. King David, the man after God's own heart, had an affair with Bathsheba, a young lady who was the wife of one of his warriors, one of his mighty men. And David took that woman and had an affair with her and got her pregnant. And because of that, the baby that was born to them, God said, is not going to live. And I don't think God was just punishing David. I think God saw the kingdom in view. And God sees things from a different perspective. He said, I'm going to bring that baby to heaven right now. So the baby's not going to be bad off. But if I leave that baby there, the reminder of that baby, when everyone sees that baby, will remind them of your sin, because they already know about it. And that baby will be a constant reminder of your failure, and it will hinder my kingdom. So I'm going to take the baby home. And David, as you know, lay on the ground, and he prayed, said, God, please don't. Please change your mind. God, please don't, don't let my baby die. Don't let my baby die. Don't let my baby die. But the baby died anyway. And David got up from the ground after he'd been fasting for days. And the servant said, we don't get it. You've been fasting and crying, and now the baby's dead. You're getting up like nothing ever happened. He said these famous words. He said, you know what? I can't bring my baby back to me, but I can go to be with him. He had eternity in mind. And I'm telling you, when you go to the doctor like me, and I've had now three cancers, if I count skin cancer in the deal, prostate cancer, leukemia, when you hear the word cancer, instead of freaking out like everybody else, you go, no, I have a home beyond this home, and I will never die. Ah, it changes everything to know that I will never die. I'll just graduate. Song, that'll be a glad reunion day. I love the lyrics. It says, we used to sing this song all the time in the Pentecostal church. It says, there will be a happy meeting in heaven, I know. When we see the many loved ones we've known here below, gathered on the blessed hilltop with hearts all aglow, that will be a glad reunion day. Number five, when we live with eternity in mind, it helps us give up things for the sake of the gospel. Look at Luke 18, 28 through 30. Peter said, behold, we have left our homes and and followed you. He said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, wife, brothers, or parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much in this time and in the age to come eternal life on top of all of that. Now, we don't get exactly the same. I mean, I don't need 100 wives, 100 moms. I don't need any of that. But he says you'll, you'll get stuff in like manner. In this life, you'll get the blessed life, and then eternal life to boot. That, this is a great deal, man. I'm getting the best life you could possibly live now. Every day's full of adventure. Am I going to go into Albertsons? Am I going to do this? Am I going to pray for this? Every day's full of adventure. And then I get heaven to boot. Who wouldn't go for this deal? Who wouldn't go for it? Well, I'm telling you, I went for it. Let me ask you a question. 
What is God asking you to give up today for the kingdom? I was looking the other day, and I was looking at my acquaintances. I have acquaintances that are pastors of mega churches, and I was looking at salaries, and it said the salary I'm making was a salary back in 2010. I told my wife, I said, well, we don't make as much as these guys. And Debbie said, Ron, why do we need it? God has given us everything and more than we could ever dream of. It's not about this life. It's not about building your kingdom here and now. It's not about having $2 million, $3 million. If you have a $3 million home, then praise God. I'm happy for you. Invite me over so I can see it. And... But you don't strive. If it comes, take it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it because you have heaven awaiting you. God has blessed me abundantly, more than I could ever dream of. Number six, when you live with eternity in mind, it helps us not fret, fret about aging, and we already kind of talked about that. Stop fighting aging. It's inevitable. You become more pathetic when you fight it. You really do. You know what I, you know what I mean? You're laughing. You know what I mean. Be like Mick Jagger, man. I'm going to be the Mick Jagger of preachers. I'm going to keep on doing my thing. I'm going to dress the way I've always dressed since I was 40 years old. I'm going to do my thing. I'm just not even going to. I'm going to forget about age. <laughs> Some of you right now, I'm going to get another church. Did he say he's going to be the Mick Jagger of preachers? I'm out of here. <laughs> and number seven, I got two more. When you live with eternity in mind, it helps us put our trials and problems in proper perspective. Listen to me. God is using your problems down here to shape your character for life up there. When was the last time you felt God was testing you? When was the last time you felt like you were supposed to say something or do something that made no sense whatsoever other than a test? God is testing you. He's testing us all the time. And God doesn't have to make up circumstances to test you. He just takes general life, ordinary life, and temptations as a test. Uh, we must see those tests when they come. I was somewhere a while back, and I was faced with a little temptation, and I was saying, oh, you know, it was like wanting a maple stick, you know, but it was, it was different. And I looked up, and I said, God, aha, I get a chance to show you right now that I love you more than I love that. Yes, thank you for this test. Give me the strength now to pass it. Attorneys, eternity's waiting all of us. A lot of what I'm doing up there, a lot of what I'm going to do up there is predicated on what I do down here. God right now sees your faithfulness. He sees your obedience to his word. He wants to know now what he can trust you with in the next life. Do you, can I say that again? God wants to know right now what he can trust you with in the next life. And he's testing you right now. And even on this earth, when you pass the test, he gives you bigger things. I can trust them. I can trust them. A long time ago, this man that I respect highly in the Lord, he said, Ron Vietta, you know why your church is growing so fast? God trusts people into your care. He knows you'll be gracious with them. He knows you'll love them. See, there are no do-overs. God's forming character in you right now for the next life. Let me ask you a question. In your present trial right now, 
What kind of character is God trying to form? Don't run, try to get out of the trial. That's not your first priority. Learn what God's doing in the trial. Right now in your present trial, what kind of character is God trying to form? Is he trying to form patience in you? Maybe endurance? Maybe persistence? Maybe boldness? He's trying to do something in your present trial. And the very last one, when you live with eternity in mind, it helps us not worry so much. Al's going to bring out a rope. I'm going to give you an illustration. The rope's right here. I owe this illustration to Francis Chan. Thank you, Francis Chan. He used this years ago, and I've used it many times. And uh, Al, I'm going to give you this rope, and I'm going to ask you to take it. You go wherever you want go, buddy, because we're, we're, we're looking at eternity here, Okay. This is a poor illustration, but it kind of gets eternity in mind. Well, we'll be here for a while, okay? <laughs> this is coming off slowly. Now, this rope that I'm untangling here, it represents eternity. And my wife is gracious enough to help this with me. Help me with this, excuse me. And this represents eternity. And now this is a poor representation but we're going to live forever. Go a little further, Al. Go a little further. Go a little further. This rope, if you could imagine this rope going from here to New York, and the blue right here is this life in the here and now. Why are we pouring everything into this little blue rope, right? This little segment. We're trying to find all our happiness. We're trying to make life count. We're trying to make decisions. Everything. We're trying to squeeze everything in this little blue thing. And look, all the way here to New York, that's how long you're going to live. Why wouldn't you give up stuff in this life for that? Wow. Thank you, Al. I'll let you take care of the damage there. I ain't going to need this house no longer. I ain't going to need this house no more. I ain't got time to oil the hinges. I ain't got time to fix the floor. Dun, 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 Ain't going to need this life no longer. I'm getting ready to meet the saints. I don't need this life any longer. I'm getting ready to meet the saints. We're going to live in heaven for eternity. I can't wait. And I just felt today I was supposed to remind you of this. Heaven's around the corner. And some of you need to change your life right now. See, this is a dress rehearsal for heaven. It's a real dress rehearsal. Well, that isn't even a good illustration. It's not a dress rehearsal. It's kind of like that, but it's the real thing. Right now, God's looking for people to run the next kingdom. And he's going to find out who those people are right now. Those who can be trusted with obedience and faithfulness. Are you ready for it? It's coming whether you like it or not. And although all of our sins are forgiven, and we will never, ever have to give an account for sin, because our sins are washed away. Jesus took them to the cross. Our sins are gone. But we are going to be made accountable to beam a judgment seat. That's a whole different one mentioned in the Bible. And that judgment seat, it's only for rewards. At that beam a judgment seat, if you look at the Greek text, we're all going to give a speech on how we lived our life on earth. How'd you use your 24 hours? And God doesn't ask for much. That's the cool thing. God 
doesn't ask for a whole lot. But in the same sense, he does ask for everything. Does that make sense? He says, tithe 10%. And I'll turn the 90 to 120, so you'll be the winner and, 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 everything, and the kingdom will also be the winner. He says, you don't have to go out and go live with the pygmies in Africa and be a missionary. Pray for those. Just every day, pray 15 minutes for those who do go. We all have a part to play. And I'm going to continue this series next Sunday. But right now, let's pray, Father God. There are people in here today that have never been born again. Never been born again. They've never been born twice. If you're here today and say, Pastor, although I agree this seems too simple, let me assure you it's not. If you've never been born twice, if you've never had a time in your life when you said, God, today I give you my life. Send the Holy Spirit and come and live inside of my body. Live inside of my body. Make me a new person and give me the strength and the power I need to follow after Jesus. If you've never done that, can I tell you again, because a lot of Hispanic people here, and I'm Italiano, Catholicism was our background. Catholicism ain't going to save you. Protestantism isn't going to save you. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never been born again, I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. Raise your hand and say, Pastor, today I'm making the decision to be born again. When you do, your desires will change. Some of you might have been like me. Before I got born again, I said, man, I, I, I can't live that life. I can't. Well, no, you can't. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your body, He starts changing your desires. He changes everything. You just have to have a will. Just lift your hand up very boldly. Say, Pastor, I'm not born again, and I don't care who, who, who's sitting next to me. I don't care what they think. It's my life, and I need a new one. I need a new life. Raise your hand up very boldly. Raise it up high. And just say, God, yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Over here. Yeah, I see hands going up. God bless you. God bless you way in the back. Yes. Yes, God bless you, buddy. I see it. I mean... Your life's going to be drastically different. Pray this simple prayer. Everybody pray. Say, Father God, today, forgive me for living life without you. Right now. Come on, right now. Send the Holy Spirit and come into my body and start living and make me brand new. Give me a new start. I pray this prayer in faith. I believe you've answered it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen to me. All you raise your hands when you walk out of here, you're a different person that came in today. You're going home with God in your body. I love you. See you here, there, in the air. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.